0: All right, all right. Hey, man, I was, uh, man, I was over there and just listened to you guys sing uh, just now. I was just, I just was just caught up and I just prayed and I just said, God, it's a privilege to be here. You know what? It's a privilege to be here. Did you know that? It's something we shouldn't take for granted. I don't know if today's your first day or what, uh, but if you belong to this church, like if you say Summit is your church, uh, don't take this for granted, all right? Because if you do, I'll slap you in the parking lot, all right? It's special, Uh, that we get to do this, man, all right? Um, Hey, I'm gonna pray, and uh, before I jump into the sermon, I got some uh, stuff I wanna say uh, real quick. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, and God, thank you. Uh, Jesus, just the privilege, just the privilege to be at church and worship you with your people. This is a privilege, God, to hear voices lifted high to you uh, of God, people that have been saved, people that God love you, people that God you're working in. God, voices lifted up of people that are just kind of on the journey. They might not even have a relationship with you yet, but they're real close. And I pray that today might be the day they cross that line. God, I I just thank you for what you're going to do in these moments, because you've already done something really special in our time of of worshiping you in song. Now, God, as we open up your word and we worship you, uh, God, just let it continue. Speak to us in your name. Amen. Hey, before we jump in, I just want to share a couple of things uh, with our church um, if you were here last week, I want to tell you a really cool story. If you were here last week, we had uh, uh, some people stand up from some of our strategic ministry partners, the homeless shelter, I've already shared about that, Hickory Hills, we shared about that. Um, if you were in my life group in the winter time, all right, so the reason for God, winter life group. If you were in my life group, uh, this is a really cool story, but I wanted to share it with our entire church. I shared pictures last week of the room that my life group sponsored, the bed set and, and the t- trash cans and all that stuff that we just put in the room, for Hickory Hills. I went over there one afternoon, and it took me about 15 minutes to put that in there and things like that. So Sunday, wasn't it awesome that Hickory Hills, by the way, they brought like a van full of guys last week. That was amazing. That was amazing. And listen, listen, listen. If some of you have a vehicle and you'd be willing maybe to go over there a couple, I mean, every week, if there's a couple of people that'd be up for doing that, I would love to have a conversation. We could set that up where some guys are coming here every week to Summit. But, um, Show those pictures. I showed the pictures last week of the room that my of the room that my group sponsored. And at the at the end of church, uh, a guy came up to me right here in the front and said, "Hey, I just want to thank you for the stuff that you put in my room. It's awesome." And I said, "I said, really? You're in the room?" And I gave him the room number. And he said, "He said, yeah, that's my stuff." And I was like, "Oh, and we hugged." And, and well, I hugged him. He was probably freaking out. And um, and uh, so he was, he was like, oh, the bed sets, so comfortable, and trash cans, and all that stuff." And he was just talking about how cool his room was, how thankful he was that people he didn't even know would do that. And, uh, and he said, and I don't know what church that he went to last week. I don't think it was around here. Um, but he, he said, hey, last week I went to a church and I got saved. I said, man, that's awesome. That's unbelievable. And he said, you know what? I need to be baptized now. I said, that's awesome. He said, can I get baptized here? And I said, yeah. And, we're, and so, so it takes us a little bit to set it up. And we were going to do it today, but we, some, some things couldn't work out. And listen, Summit, next Sunday, he is going to get baptized right here on this stage. That is an awesome story. That is an awesome story. And, 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 and to my life group, that's just like 15 people. And some of you guys just gave a couple of bucks, and it made a difference. And that guy met Jesus, and he will never be the same. And you thought you were just buying a trash can. Do you see that? that? If you're like, why does this church exist for that? Just for that right there. That's all we need to hear, isn't it? Like, that's all we need so that people can meet Jesus and be changed. And um, So with, with that, you know, I wanted to say it's, it's, we're in summer, and I just wanted to share something with our church that we are really trying to do um, this summer. We are really, this summer, really trying to sow seeds in our community, in the city, and to serve and to take the gospel uh, to Hazard, to this city, to our region, and, and doing a lot of different things. And so that, what that means is there's a lot of opportunities for our church to serve and to step up. So one is the Perry County Fair. Now, the Perry County Fair is something that Hazard Tourism is putting together. It's June the 18th through the 20th. This is the first year they've ever done it, and our church is gonna have a booth there. And listen, if you want to do something, so that, be a part of something, so that our church can be a presence in our city, Listen, you need to sign up to help at the Perry County Fair. We're going to have all kinds of things going at our booth. We're going to give invite cards out to a really special service on July the 12th. And it's just us serving in our city. Very simple. You can do it for a couple of hours on June the uh, 19th and 20th on that Friday and Saturday. You can sign up for that out there in the lobby. And I think that you should do it. Am I talking to you? Absolutely. I'm talking to you that you should do it. Why? Because so that you can get the blessing of serving people in Jesus' name. And listen, after that, we're going to do VBX at Walkertown. Now, we're going to do VBX here at the Forum, but we're going to take VBX on the road this summer in June, and we're going to do it at Walkertown Apartment Complex. And I'll tell you exactly why we're doing that. We're going to do VBX at Walkertown. So that our church, we're praying that after that event, our church will have a weekly presence where people from our church are going to Walkertown, that apartment complex, and they are sharing the gospel with people, they are serving families, they are meeting needs, that our church would be there every single week few years ago some of our life groups built a basketball court there that we we just consider that the start of it we're going back there this summer and we're praying to be there every week we're going to do vbx for kids the first two night the last night we're going to have a block party i'm going to share the gospel we're praying that a ton of people get saved at walkertown in june and our church is there every single week because we shouldn't wait for people to come to us we need to go to them amen we need to go to them And if you're sitting there and if you're thinking, well, he's talking to somebody else, not me, that's not for me, run to your car after church because I'm going to slap you because I'm talking to you, all right? You need to be a part of this. And if you're not, you just are going to miss it. You need to be a part of that. And then VBX here, but let me tell you something uh, that we're doing that some, some people have already come up to me and talked to me about it, and then we're going to dive into the sermon. Um, um, let me start it this way. You know, what God did in our church, our church turns four this year, And that we would have between 450 to 500 people here every week. We did not plan for that. You need to know that. And so honestly, what it's been like for me the past four years and our staff, it's been like trying to just keep our head above water. And if you have ever got the impression that our church is all about numbers, if I've given you that impression, I'm sorry. Because we are not. We are all about Jesus and people. Because people matter. And... And I'll tell you you a conversation that we have every week behind the scenes of our church. Our staff gets together for staff meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And every week we have a conversation about how can we be the best steward of people that we can possibly be. And that's led us to want to do something this summer that we've never done before. Uh, This summer we want to contact and invite back every single person that has ever been to Summit in the past four years. That's over 2,000 people. And so what we're doing right now is we are calling through our entire database. Now, here's why I'm saying that. Some people, some of you that come every week, you've already gotten a phone call. Somebody called me and invited the church. I'm here every week. What's the deal? Well, here's the deal. There are between four to 500 people here every single Sunday. You on, you on a personal level, me on a personal level, we might know 10 people. All right? So there are, So the odds are really good that you go to church with a ton of people that you don't know. And so somebody might call you in the next two weeks to invite you to Summit that doesn't know you. Hey, come to Summit on July the 12th. Well, I'm there every week, jerk. Click. No. All right, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Oh, well, I'm there every single week. Awesome, I've never met. Awesome, we've never met. Love you, love you, click. That's what you do, okay, because they're not trying to be rude, and we're not saying that we ignore people. There's between 450 to 500 people here every week, and we are trying to contact this summer over 2,000 people to tell them to come to church on July the 12th. Now, after the, and, and we're calling people right now, it's going to take us two weeks to do it. After that, we are going to, and the people that tell us that they're going to another church, we don't try to take, take people from other churches because we believe that you can grow and love Jesus at any church that preaches Jesus, amen? We believe that, all right? So, so, we're not, so if people say, well, I go to so-and-so church, we say, awesome, you keep going. People that don't tell us they're going to another church after we call them, we are going to hand deliver an invite to their house, to church, for the July the 12th service. On July the 12th, we're starting a new series called Afterlife, it's all about heaven, Okay, We think a lot of people will want to hear what we say. And so we're inviting all those people to July the 12th. Now, here's what you can do. You can pray. Would you pray that people are receptive? Would you pray that people that God is working in? Would you, would you pray that we just connect people to Jesus? It's not about, hey, we can get on Twitter or Facebook July the 12th and talk about how big the attendance was. No, it's that we believe without Jesus you have no hope. And we just want to be the best stewards we can of people. Amen? Amen. That's what we're about here. All right? So I just wanted to share that with you so that you can know that. So if you don't get a phone, so if you get a phone call in the next week or two, what's wrong with that church? I'm there every week. Well, they might not just know. Just hug and kiss. All right? Just that's there. All right. All right. So here, we're going to jump in to the last part of our series, Recharge. I'm fired up about today. We're wrapping up our series, Recharge. And what we've been doing the past five weeks is we've been talking about how to recharge our soul. The truest part of you, that's your soul. And so you can go to summonhazard.com and you can check out the past five weeks of the sermon series. And today we are talking about the number one thing that a lot of people say drains their battery more than anything. The thing that people freak out about the most, the thing that people spend that stay up all night worrying about the most, the number one thing that drains your battery. Maybe not your battery, but honestly, the majority of people. See, because if you get on Google right now, and you could do this, you could get on Google right now on your phone, and you could Google what do people worry about. And when you Google that, here's what will happen. Hundreds of thousands of articles are going to pop up on your phone or on your computer, and they're going to give you the top 10 things, the top 20, the top 50, the top 100 things that people worry about. And when you look at the top four or five things that people worry about on every single list, it's basically the same thing. In fact, before we even started this series, several weeks ago, about a month or so ago, I put on Facebook, I tagged our church, and I said, what do you worry about? Tons of responses. And you know what every, every response was? The exact same as every single list of the top three or four things that people worry about with one rising to the top. So what do people worry about? What, what drains your battery more than anything? Well, a lot of people worry about their health, right? Right? A lot of people worry about their health, the doctor's appointment that's coming up, maybe the health of somebody else. A lot of people just worry about their health. Also, top two or three things that people worry about, friends and family. Maybe your kids, maybe your spouse, maybe that friend, are they going to be okay? Are they going to make good decisions? So we worry about them, and that just drains our battery. Oh, my goodness, are they going to be okay? Another thing people worry about, their future, What's going to happen? This door shut. Are we going to be okay? Now what do we do? I don't seem to know how to get out of this situation. And so people spend a lot of time worrying about the future. But you know what most people say is number one? The number one thing that people worry about more than anything that freaks them out, that drains their battery, the number one thing that causes people to lose sleep, get a nauseous feeling in their stomach, the biggest worry that a lot of people have, maybe it's you, money. There's stuff, finances. And listen to me, we can't recharge our soul as long as we freak out about money. And there is nothing worse than worrying about money, is there? There's nothing worse than freaking out about stuff, right? I mean, when you're worried about your stuff and finances and you're freaking out about money, you stop checking the mail because you might get a bill. You stop answering the phone because it might be the collection agency, right? You, you get on Craigslist and you look and see how much you can sell organs you don't need, right? Because you, right? you're just strapped. You don't know what to do. And then here's what we do when we're worried about stuff, money, with things like that. Here's what we do. We say this. One day it'll all change. Have you ever said that? One day it'll all get better. One day it'll all be okay. One day we'll get out of that mess. But have you ever noticed that one day hadn't come yet? Some of you have been waiting for one day for 20 years, and it hasn't hit yet. We're just waiting for one day, one day, one day, and nothing has changed. Now, see, maybe today we need to pause for a second. Maybe today is your first day. There's a good crowd here today on this beautiful Sunday afternoon, and you're sitting there in your seat, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I smell a sermon about money. Is that what he's cooking? We're going to have a sermon about money today? Listen, I see preachers on TV talking about money. I hate those guys. I see them all blinged out. I see them all crying how I need to give them $100 so that they can fund their private jet. I hate when preachers talk about money. And listen, I just got to lean over the plate, take one for the preacher team, and say, we ain't done this one very well. All right? We haven't talked about the subject of money and finances and stuff very well. But here's here's what you need to know. Churches have got to talk about money. They just got to. Because did you know that Jesus talked about money more than any subject? More than anything. Jesus talked about money. Watch this. Jesus talked about money more than heaven. Actually, he talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. Jesus talked about money more than prayer. He he talked about our stuff, finances. Jesus talked about it more than hope. More than any topic that Jesus talked about, Jesus talked about money. And the reason that he talked about it more than anything else is because Jesus knew that Mark Combs is tempted to place his confidence in how much is in the bank rather than the God who's on the throne. Jesus knew that our biggest temptation would be to trust in money rather than him. And see, here's what you need to know about Jesus because because he's a good God. He cares about every single aspect of your life. I don't know what got you here today, and I don't know your background, but you need to know that Jesus loves you and cares about every part of your life. He cares about who you're dating. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your kids. He cares about our stuff. He cares about your money, your finances, and if you could take every single thing that Jesus said about money and kind of sum it up in a few words, in a quick phrase, it's that Jesus says that the freest way to live is to put God first. To put God first. To put God first in every area of your life, in the way you plan your future, in your dating life, in your relationships, in the way you raise your kids, in your money, to put God first. So let me ask you a question, teenagers. Let me ask you a question, adults. Is God first? Is he? Is God first in your life? Is God first, let's get real specific, let's get kind of controversial. Is God first in your finances, in your stuff, Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, hey, listen, you know what, man, I got money in the bank, everything's fine with me, maybe somebody else needs to hear this, it's in a lot of debt, in a financial straitjacket, they're struggling right now, but you know what, everything's good. Hey, everything might be good, but is God first? Is he? You might have awesome vacations planned, you might have the latest and the greatest, but is he first? I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 19 okay? Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be today, and we're going to look at a really familiar story. Uh, If you've got a church background, it's a pretty familiar story. If not, it might be new, but that's cool. Luke 19, we're going to be in the first 10 verses in Luke 19 verses 1 through 10. Luke 19 verses 1 through 10. This is a story about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Now, if you have a church background, you you know that Zacchaeus is a wee little man. A wee little man was he, Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, so Zacchaeus and Jesus, this is Luke 19, 1 through 10. It's going to be on the screen. Turn on your phone or whatever. He, that's Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Don't miss this. Watch this. And was rich. He was rich. And he was seeking to see Jesus. But on account of the crowd, he could not. I think this is funny. Because he was of small stature. The Bible just made fun of short people. Not me, the Bible. All right, I don't know. But I just think that's funny that the Bible just threw in. He climbed a tree. He's short. All right, I'm five nine, so I ain't knocking nothing. All right. So he ran on ahead, climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him. Because he, he was about to pass by. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up in the tree and said, Look, a dude said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried, came down, and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, the crowd, when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. We'll talk in a second about why they're ticked off. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, this is Jesus and Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. And tax collectors in Jesus' day were the most hated people because when they went around and collected taxes, they always took more than was owed. They stole from people, they ripped people off. That's why when Jesus went to Zacchaeus's house, everybody got ticked off because nobody liked Zacchaeus, because Zacchaeus had ripped them off before. But did you notice that Zacchaeus was rich? Here is a rich man seeking Jesus. Why? Because there are some things that money can't buy you. And money could not buy what Zacchaeus needed more than anything else. And what he needed was to be spiritually set free. And so Jesus sees Zacchaeus, he goes to Zacchaeus' house, they have a conversation, and it ultimately leads to Zacchaeus being saved. Zacchaeus becomes a Christian, that's what Jesus means when he says, today salvation has come into your house. And did you see what happens at the end? Here was a man who had stolen from the entire city, who had lived his life just ripping people off, he was rich, he meets Jesus, and Jesus so transforms Zacchaeus that it impacts the way that he thinks about his stuff. Zacchaeus says this, he says, Lord, if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'm going to restore it fourfold. If I've ever ripped anyone off, I'm going to pay it back. Because what Jesus did in his heart made his way to his hands, specifically how he thought about his stuff. And see, too many Christians have been delivered spiritually. They've been set free spiritually, but they're in a straight jacket because of their stuff. They're in a corner because of their stuff. We love our stuff too much. Some of us are in a financial straitjacket and we can't think about what God wants to do in and through our lives. And it's all because of this issue that's so controversial and causes tension in the room in churches, this issue of our stuff. And so here's what I want to do today very quickly. I want to give us five declarations that you and I can make today about our stuff. Five declarations that you and I can make starting today about our stuff. And listen, you are not too young and you are not too old to start today declaring these things over your stuff. And listen, I'm telling you, if you'll lean in today and receive what God might want to say to you, this could be a game-changing day for you. It really could. This could be a day where a stake gets driven into the ground and you say, Man, I was different because of what God spoke into my life this day. So I want to give us five declarations this morning, very quickly, about our stuff. And before I dive in, I need to tell you that I didn't think of these five things, all right? For every series we do, I always read a lot of books and resources to try to get ready. And there's a book by a guy named Bill Hybels. He's a pastor in Chicago. Bill Hybels wrote a book. It's called Simplify. If you want to read and take what we've talked about in this series to another level, check out that book. But some of this, a lot of this stuff comes from him. I've just put it in some of my language today. But I just wanted you to know that. Five stuff declarations today we're going to make from the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. If you're taking notes, you're keeping score, write this down. First declaration we're going to make is that my stuff comes from God. My stuff comes from God. Everything that we have in our lives, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, you believe in God or not, every single thing we have in our lives comes from God. Every bit of it. That's why James one seventeen says this: Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? From above, coming from down from to us from the Father of lights. What that mean? It means that every good thing we have in our lives, we've got it because God gave it to us. Is there anybody here in the room today that just raised their hand? And say, I got some good things in my life. Raise your hand if you got some good things in your life. You got good things in your life. Some of you are not raising your hands, and I think you got some good things too, right? Good opportunities, good friends, you had a good meal this week, you seen a good movie the past couple of weeks, good things coming up, some good things have happened to you this year. Listen, what the Bible is telling us here is there is not a self-made man or woman in this room today. There's not. You might have worked hard, and you did work hard, and you went after those opportunities, but behind it all, the Bible says, is every opportunity, every opportunity, every good thing comes from God. Everything you have in your life, God gave it to you. So what that means is because it's his, we need to be the best stewards of it. We need to use it in a way that brings him the most glory. So the first declaration, the way the Bible wants us to think about our our stuff, first and foremost, is that everything we have, our stuff, comes from God. Number two, this this could change somebody's life. Stuff won't make me happy. Stuff won't make me happy. Nobody in that. See, I got some work to do. See, Zacchaeus was rich. So what that means is he had some stuff. But here is a guy that's rich going after Jesus because he needed what only Jesus can give. Listen, we know deep down that stuff can't make us happy. See, you know that stuff won't make you happy because if stuff made you happy, why is it that the world's most famous, most richest people are oftentimes the loneliest, the saddest, And most depressed people, why do you always hear about celebrities whose lives feel like they're falling apart? They got everything, and they feel like they're all alone. Why? Because stuff won't make you happy. Now, let's be honest, let's be honest, let's be honest. Can stuff make you happy? A little bit. A little bit. Right? Right? Like if if stuff never makes me happy, maybe you're buying the wrong stuff. Right? Right? Stuff can make you happy for a little bit. For a little bit. And then eventually, maybe in a matter of days, weeks, months, years, it loses its shine. You buy a new car, new car smell. Oh, and then all of a sudden the new car smell goes, we need a new ride. What's wrong? I don't smell it anymore. Right? See, eventually the things that make you happy, they lose their shine or a new addition comes out. We need an upgrade. Stuff won't make us happy. And what happens is we can get in this, suck in this rut, living on the treadmill of I need more, I need more, I need more. And that is called greed. That's called greed. Let me do an experiment right here. How many of you know somebody you'd say they're greedy? Raise your hand. You know some greedy people. Raise your hand. Look at all the hands going up. You know some greedy people. Raise your hand. Okay. Look at a lot of hands. Most hands went up. Put them down. I wonder how many hands would go up if I said, how many of you are greedy? Raise your hand. Well, what happened? Right? One or two hands going up, right? Somebody's trying to put their wife's hand up, right, right here, right? Have you ever noticed that the greedy people are everywhere else, but they're not in the forum today? Aren't you thankful that greedy people didn't come to church today? Right? Other people are greedy, not me. I ain't greedy. What is greed? I'll tell you what greed is. Greed is when you love. Say, Mark, is it wrong to love your stuff? No, it's not wrong to love stuff. It's not wrong to have stuff, but it's wrong when stuff has you See, too many people build their lives on their stuff. Too many people build their lives on their bank account. And listen, can I just say that I'm convinced one of, the, one of the reasons that the church in America is not making the impact that it could is because Christians, people who go to church every single week, are trying to build their home here when the Bible says our home is in heaven and we love our stuff so much we can't leverage our lives for the mission of God. We're too stuck here. We're too in love here. We're too stuck with our stuff here, and stuff won't make you happy. Can I give you a revolutionary verse? It don't matter. I got the microphone. Watch this right here. Philippians 4, 11 through 12. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be what? What's the next word? Content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty of hunger, abundance and need. Content. Some of you say Content. See, some of you didn't say it because you've never said that word before in your life. It's like we just dropped the F-bomb in church. Right, like I just cussed. Content, content. Do you know what it means to be content? Oh, let me tell you what it means. It, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. To be content doesn't mean that you settle. I need you to listen, church. To be content doesn't mean that you shift into neutral and you never strive to make your situation better. It doesn't mean that you don't go after that promotion. To be content simply means this. Jesus is enough. Let me say that again. To be content simply means that Jesus is enough. See, we can rail against the preachers on TV that talk about the prosperity gospel and how we don't like it when people take the Bible and use it for their own gain, but we need to make sure we don't talk that way. Too many times Christians talk about, I'm blessed, I've been blessed, and what they mean is they got the promotion, they got the raise. Can you be blessed and not get the promotion? Can you be blessed and not get the raise? Can you be blessed and your life is falling apart? Ephesians chapter 1 says that if you're a Christian, you have been given right now every spiritual blessing. So what that means is that if you're a Christian today, you've been adopted by God. You're his son and daughter. He loves you unconditionally. All your sins have been forgiven. You've been given the promise and the hope of eternal life. You are blessed right now. You are blessed. I'm blessed. We are a blessed people In Christ, stuff can make us happy. And the more we declare that over things, all of a sudden we feel a freedom that we never have because Jesus is enough. Can we all say that very loud like we mean it? Let's boldly proclaim it on three. One, two, three. Jesus is enough. Do you feel that? The room is pumped. The room is psyched. Let me suck the energy out of the room. Number three, I show God is first with my stuff by giving back the the first 10% of what he's given to me. See, some of you just left right there. I show God is first by giving back to God the first 10% of what God's given to me. Say, Mark, wow, that's strong. The way that you show God's first is by giving back to God that 10%. That's real strong. Well, here's what you need to know. I didn't say it, God did. And say it. Watch this. Let me show you some verses. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. First fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. How? Honor the Lord, first fruits, first 10%. Look at the next one, Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe, that's the 10% into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Did Jesus talk about tithing? Did Jesus talk about giving? Yes, he did. Look at this next verse. Matthew 23, 23, he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe, there it is, mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. Watch this. These you ought to have done. Should I give? Yes, Jesus just said it without neglecting the others. You ought to give, he says, but your heart ought to be right. Now, listen, this is a guilt-free portion of the sermon. All right? Now, hang on. This is guilt-free. I'm going to come back. But don't, I hate this church, and I never liked him anyway. Hang on, Sugarfoot. Wait. Did you know that God could have picked anything besides money? Like he could have. God could have said, every time you eat a bag of french fries, give me one. Every time you buy a pizza, I want a slice. Me one. I'm, I mean, God could have picked anything, it, But he picked money. He picked stuff. I wonder why. It's because God knows that Mark is tempted to worship stuff more than God. It's because God knows that Mark gets a little anxious when the, when the bank account gets, to, gets low to a certain level. Even though God hasn't changed, the bank account does. I freak out a little. And what God says is, Mark, you're greedy. And it's showing right now. And so God wants us to experience the joy of, of living by faith, so he's invited us to this. And listen, tithing, giving, like what we're talking about right now, this 10%, this is a step of faith. It requires faith to take this step. It does. I'm not going to lie. It's a matter of faith. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. Imagine for a moment we've got two Christians, Mike and Jim. Okay? we got two Christians, Mike and Jim. And Mike and Jim are having a conversation one day about exactly what we're talking about, stuff and money and finances. And Mike looks at Jim, and Mike says to Jim, Mike, you know, Jim, and Mike looks at Jim and says, Jim, here's where I'm at right now. I'm living at level A. I'm living at level A, but I tell you what, I see people living at level B. I want to get to level B. I want to get to level B. I want to drive the cars that you can get at level B. Listen, I want to go from A to B. So Mike says to Jim, listen, I want to go from A to B, and I've met with financial counselors, strategizers, and it's going to take 100% of what I make to get from A to B. Just is, Jim. So Jim hears that, and again, both these guys are Christians. Jim hears that, and he says to himself, and then he says to Mike, well, Mike, listen, man, I hear you, and listen, I'm at A right now too. I would love to get to B. I'd love to be living at B and driving at B, and I would love to just experience B. But listen, Mike, I need you to know B is not my goal. I'm trying to get to level C. I'm trying to get to a whole other level. Because Jim knows that God says in the Bible to give back to him the first fruits. The tithe, the first 10%. And so Jim looks at Mike, again, both Christians, and says, listen, Mike, I hear you say it's going to take 100%, but you know what? I believe I can get from A to B, trusting God, taking that step of faith, and living off of 90%. And not only when I trust God like that will I get to B, maybe I'll get to B, but I believe that I can skip B and get all the way to another level, level C. And at level C is God's blessing on my life. Level C is stepping out by faith. Lessing, uh, uh, zone C, lost my words there. Place C is a place of favor in my life. Listen, I'm trying to bypass B and go all the way to C because I want to experience everything that God's got for me. And so these guys are having this conversation. Mike says he needs all of it so he can go to B. Jim says I can live off of 90 and I can bypass B and I can live at another level of God's blessing, level C. And here's the funny part both of these guys think the other one is an idiot. Mike thinks Jim's an idiot because he's listening to him, and he says, you know what? Your math don't add up. You can't get from A to B off 90%. You're an idiot. Jim hears Mike talk, and Jim thinks that Mike is an idiot because level C, the level of God's blessing, wanting to trust God by faith, that's not even on Mike's radar. So he thinks Mike is an idiot. Both of these guys are convinced the other one is an idiot. Summit, let me ask you a question. Which idiot do you want to be? Do you want to be the idiot that just says, you know what, this is crazy? Or do you want to be the idiot that says, you know what, I believe God's got more for me and I'm going to try to step out and trust him. And listen, I just want you to know that I want to be the idiot that trusts God by faith. I want to be the idiot that says, God, if you've got something for me and my family, I want to experience everything you want to do in me and through me. God, I want all of it, so I'm going to step out. By faith, which idiot do you want to be? I'm praying for a church of idiots, to be honest. I'm praying for a church filled with people who just step out and trust God and just take that step. Now, this is a guilt free part of the sermon. So, what that means is this some of you are listening to this and you're thinking, I can't do that. I I, I really can't. And you know what? Some of you can't. So, here's what we say here's what the Bible says do what you can. Take that step and just simply do what you can. If you can make maybe take a 1% or even a half percent step of just trying to put God first and trust him in this area, then take that step and watch what God does. But listen, take the step. Take the step of faith. Take the step of faith. So we show God is first by giving back to God the first 10% of what he's given to us. Number four, fourth self-declaration that we're going to make is, I will live like the ant and prepare for winter. That sounds real weird. Watch these verses right here from Proverbs. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, chief officer or ruler, she, that's the ant, prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. What it means is this. The book of Proverbs always talks about money. And what it says is this. Hey, when you think about money, you need to live like an ant. Because an ant is always getting food for now and storing some up for later. Because the winter is going to come. What's winter? Winter is when life throws you a curveball and you didn't know it was coming, but you were trying to get ready for it. Winter is the week that that the car breaks down, that the water heater breaks, and your kids need braces all the same week. You didn't know it. Winter is the season of maybe retirement. Winter is when you're trying to save money to go to that school you want to go to. I don't know what it is, but see, there are seasons in life that God knows are coming, and we don't, and so God says the wisest thing to do is, if you can, set back a portion and get ready for the winter season. Now, you're sitting there, and you're saying, listen, Mark, I can't even do that. I can't even do the last step, and I sure can't set some aside because, Mark, we're living paycheck To paycheck. What can I do? Here's what you can do. The ant has a plan. Get a plan. Because listen, you can't pray your way out of a financial straitjacket. You can't. You got to get a plan to get out of it. You need to pray your way out of it and get a plan and work that plan. So what's that plan? Listen, here's how you can get a plan. Wednesday night, six o'clock, Neil Bedwell, one of our life group leaders, he leads a life group called Financial Peace University. Some of you, just the title sounds good. It's Wednesday night at 6 o'clock in the multi-purpose room. You need to come and check that out so that you can try to get a plan and get some breathing room in this area. Here's number five, and then we're done. Fifth declaration that we're going to make over our stuff is that my relationship with stuff can change today. My relationship with stuff can change If you zoned out the entire sermon because you heard I was talking about money, I want you to zoom in right now. Did you see that Zacchaeus meets Jesus and by the end of the story, Zacchaeus' relationship with stuff had totally changed? Here was a rich guy, Jesus comes into his life, Jesus transforms Zacchaeus, and all of a sudden by the end, he says, listen, Jesus, because what you've done for me, because you gave 100% of who you are for me, Jesus, listen, I'm not gonna build my life on stuff, I'm gonna build my life on who you are. Listen to me right now, every single person. This was not a sermon about how to manage your money. This is not a sermon about how to get out of debt. This is not a sermon about giving today. If you walk out and you think that this was all about giving, then I did it wrong. This is not a sermon about giving. This is a sermon about Jesus Christ transforming you at such a deep level that it even changes the way you think about your stuff, that it changes the way you live, it changes the way you breathe, that Jesus transforms someone and everything changes. Look at me. Has he ever done that to you, sir? Has Jesus Christ ever transformed you, ma'am? I'm talking to every teenager right now. Have you ever been transformed? Have you ever had such a supernatural experience with God that the only word to describe it is transformation? Our church exists. Our mission statement is that we exist to be a church to see people transformed by Jesus. And that is so hard to unpack with words, especially in the Bible Belt, where there's churches on every corner and where Christianity is just a part of the culture and we grow up in church and everybody's a Christian because we just assume that everybody's a Christian and what it means to be a Christian is you're really moral, you don't cuss, and you go to church. And listen, if, I, if you think that's what Christianity is, then I, as your pastor, have not served you well. Because Christianity is not make good decisions. You can make good decisions and still go to hell. You can never cuss and still go to hell. You can go to church every Sunday. Your Sunday school teacher gave you a gold star, and you can still go to hell. I'm not talking about giving today. I'm not talking about managing your money well. I'm asking you, has Jesus Christ transformed you? And if he has, is he now? Is he now at work in your life? Or is it something years ago that you remember? You remember what it was like when God was just flowing through your veins and you haven't tasted that in years. Today, come back to it. Today, come back to it. Because he has not left you. He has not walked away from you. And it doesn't matter what you did and where you've been. He is ready now with his love, with his grace, with his mercy to take you back. And his transforming grace can become a reality in your life once again. I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you, hey, is your checkbook okay today? I'm asking you, have you met Jesus Christ in such a way that you have never been the same? And it even impacts the way you think about stuff. Say, I don't know if I've ever tasted that. Then today, meet Jesus Christ for the first time. Today, give him your life for the very first time. Say, Mark, I used to be there. Mark, I used to know what that was like, and I've walked away from it. Come back today. Come back today. This is not about money, church. This is about Jesus Christ breaking into your life, saving your soul, and breathing new life into your soul. Listen, if you need that today for the very first time, I want you to know that Jesus Christ, the same Jesus who 2,000 years ago saved a man named Zacchaeus and brought radical change in his life, can bring radical change to the addict, to the broken, to the hurting, to the promiscuous, to the lost, to the rich person who knows deep down just like he did, he needs something money can't buy. Jesus can change it all. And if he has saved you and all of a sudden at some point you just started taking your life back a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, you just started taking your life back, the freest place you could be is at the place of total surrender. Jesus, I want to put you first in every area because you are worth it. Is God first? He wants to be, Summit. He wants to be first. Would you pray with me? Jesus, that's what this has all been about. We've been talking about money, and your your word talks about money, and it's more than money. Ah, it's not money. Money's a part of it, but money just points to the core issue. The core issue is that we need Christ. The core issue is that we need Jesus to deliver us from greed and from materialism. The core issue is that I feel too at home here, and I am not at home here. Heaven is our home. The core issue is that there are people here today, and they've grown up in a Christian culture. They've grown up in the Bible belt, but maybe they've never met the one who wrote the Bible. Maybe they've never met you, God, in a saving way. So God, would you just come and would you just meet us here right now and do whatever you need to do? Because this is not a sermon about money. Money's a part, but it's not the core. We want to get to the core today. And the core is Jesus first. Jesus at the center. And when he is at the center, it will touch everything in my life. I will never be the same. As we are in a spirit of prayer with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if God is speaking to you and God's spoken to you during our time, would you just pray about whatever God's laid on your heart? But by show of hands right now, how many of you right there where you sit, just by simply raising your hand, would say, I want God first in my life. Raise your hand right now. I just want God first. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about life in general. I want God first. Raise your hand right now. Hands are going up all over the middle, all over the right, all over. Hands just shot up right up this side. I want God first. Raise your hand up high and hold it there. Up high and hold it there. I want God first. Hands all over the room. Pray that right now and tell him, God, I want you first. God, I want you first. God, I want you first. And and whatever God is pressing on you right now, maybe it's not even money, maybe it's something else. God's pinpointing an area. This is where I need to be first. Well, then, hey, you do business with God right there today. If it ain't money, then you do business with God. You can put your hands down, but just continue in that spirit of prayer. God, I want you first. First in my life. How many of you, just by raising your hands would say, Mark, I need you to pray with me because I do feel like I'm in that financial straitjacket. Mark, I do feel like stuff is holding me down. I do feel like greed has got a big place in my life. Mark, would you just pray for me? And I'm not gonna embarrass you or anything. Would you just raise your hand and put it back down so I can pray for you? Just raise your hand and say, Mark, that's me. Hands are going up right there. More hands. to say, Mark, I need the help in this area. Hands right there. Hands right there. Hands over here, just put those down. God bless you, thank you for your honesty. Any other hands, say, Mark, this is for me today. I need help here. Jesus, help me to get a plan. Jesus, I want deliverance from greed and materialism. Now, how many of you need Jesus, period? How many of you need Jesus in your life for the very first time? You need him to save you today. Just like Zacchaeus got saved and salvation came to his house. Does salvation need to come to your house today? If so, if you need to be saved, I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if you want Jesus Christ to save you and to transform you, then pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Transform me. Make me new. And help me to live for you from this day forward. Thank you for your love. Amen. No one is looking. No heads are raised. No eyes are looking around. No Nobody's looking. If today you just prayed to give your life to Jesus, if today you just asked Jesus to transform and save you for the very first time, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, would you just raise your hand really high and hold it there so that I can celebrate with you? One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if you want Jesus Christ to save you. Raise it right now. One, two, three. Four, raise your hand really high so that I can see it and hold it there. Really high so I can see it, and hold it. There's five. There's another hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Wow. Wow. God bless you so much. Would you please put your hands down and would you please look at me? Please look at me. If you raised your hands, I just want you to look at me right now in the eye. All right? You just made the biggest decision of your life. You did. You just made the biggest decision of your life. And don't leave today until you tell somebody what you did. And here's how you can tell somebody what you did. On the connection card that you got when you walked in, there's a box that says, I gave my life to Christ. Check that box, okay? Check that box. And on your way out, there's going to be volunteers with baskets. Drop that card in there, okay? But here's what we'd really like to do, and I'm going to walk off stage here, and I'm going to do this. In fact, everybody just look at me really quick. Everybody just look at me. This is what I mean. We just had at least five people, at least five people that I saw raise their hand and say, Jesus saved me today. Would you slap for that? Here's why I want everybody to look at me. Everybody today, they got one of these connection cards. On the back of this card says, Today I decided to accept Jesus as my savior. If you just made that decision, Please check that box today. Now, a lot of you raised your hands. I want God first. I would love to know what that means. Man, if God's laid something on your heart, write that down in the prayer section. Some of you raised your hands. We need help financially. Write that down in the prayer section, what you need. If our church can serve you, we want to. But if you got saved today, I want to give you this book. It's called Seek First. It's a really short book for anybody that made the decision to give their life to Jesus. And it's at that table on your way out grab one of these today. Please don't leave until you give somebody this card and let somebody know the decision that you made today. Man, I'm I'm just, let's just give God praise one more time. I just love this. It's awesome. Man, it's awesome. Hey, I got, I got one more thing for us to do. I know church uh, went long today, uh, but I think it was, I think it was worth it. Would anybody say amen? I think I'll say, I think it's worth it. Um, Let's have Sam and Jessica there, if they would. Come on up here, guys. And let's get some people come up there with them. I see you guys are with Neil and Amy. Neil and Amy, would you come up here with them? And Maybe anybody that wants to be with Sam and Jess right now, uh, just come on up here uh, right now. There they are. I was like, where are they? They're right here. Okay. Here they are. Anybody that wants to come up here and stand with Sam and Jessica, uh, you can come on up here uh, right now. We got guys, men and women are coming, friends. Uh, And they are coming up here today, Uh, Sam and Jessica uh, Sam is our executive pastor and all around uh, studly man. Uh, and uh, he's just he just now said short studly man. This is Zacchaeus, ladies and gentlemen. We brought him here today. And he's going back to Jerusalem. And so, um, but Sam and Jess and their family, they told us uh, a couple months ago that God has called them to actually go back to Chicago uh, where they were prior to living here. And uh, they're going to be a part of a. Uh, an organization, uh, really a ministry of doing uh, right there in Chicago, working with inner city kids and then doing a lot of other things. But they just really have a heart for something that God's laid on their their heart in Chicago to deal with inner city kids and just to make a difference there. And so they are leaving uh, today uh, to go on that mission. And so they've come today, and these guys, these men and women have come. And look, these are friends, or at least people that you paid this morning to come up here and stand, I don't know. And so um, would you guys just come and just lay hands on them? We're going to pray for them uh, right now, and if you want to say bye to them, you know, or anything before you leave, you're welcome to come up here and do that. We also, Sam and Jess, we've got a gift for you, and I'm going to be honest. I have no idea which individual in this building has it. I just know it ain't me, but we have something for you, and before anybody, before, before, don't, don't go to Chicago until we give you something, all right? So, um, but we're going to pray for them, and uh, just thank God for their service Can we do something? Can we thank Jess and Sam for their service here? So I want to pray for us before we uh, let them go today. I just want to pray for them. God, I just thank you so much for Sam and Jess. And God, how they've served this church. And God, how they've made so many friends. And the people who got up out of their seats just to come and gather around them is evidence of how you've used them. I pray God, blessings on them as they as they leave. God, I pray that you would go ahead of them, and every unanswered question, God, you would provide answers to those questions. God, you would provide for them. You would meet every need that they have. Father, I pray for their children, that they would grow up to be strong and mighty men and women of God who love you and walk with you, and they would see Jesus in their mom and dad, and that their mom and dad would continue to point them, just like arrows in a man's quiver, the the, the, the Proverbs says that they would aim them in a way that points them to you. And, Father, I pray that you'd use them in Chicago to make a difference, that the kingdom would advance, that inner city children, families, lives, people would be saved and impacted, that that city would never be the same because of how, God, you are going to use Sam and Jessica and their family. God, I thank you so much that, God, you brought them here and what they mean to our church. We will never forget them we will always love them and pray for them and father let them know that they always have friends and family right here in this church and we all said amen amen love you guys love you guys hey listen while they while they hug and and uh, and things like that right out there are tons of opportunities for you guys to sign up to serve Perry County Fair VBX and things like that listen next week we're starting a brand new series and here's what it's called fishing and we're going to talk about We're going to talk about bait, tackle boxes, and everything. It's going to be really fun, and you want to be here next week, so don't miss it, guys, all right? See you guys. You're dismissed. Hey, if you made the decision today to give your life to Jesus, please let us see this card. Give it back to us. One of our volunteers on the way out, somebody in the back, just don't leave until you tell somebody what you did. Love you guys.